Hey, hey everyone. Welcome to the second episode of Sheer Moments with Ash Janelle. It is so great to be talking to you guys on this Sunday. Um, I know I've been gone for a little bit. I did not mean to, you guys. Um, As I explained in the first episode, I am an actress. Um... And some people would call it aspiring, but if you want to be that, you might as well go ahead and call yourself that, right? Um, I've had a couple of weeks of intense study for audition, kind of like merging back into that world. And so that is what I have been doing. Um, trying to get my feet not just wet but drenched back into that world. Um, so that took up a lot of my time, which took me away from the podcasting world. But I am back, as I promised to be back. Um, and so today we are going to have our first segment of talking through the moment. And so talking through the moment will be a little small uh, moment of my own experience for that week or the weeks that I've been away from you guys. So here we go. TTM, talking through the moment. So as a kid, uh, I've already explained, I went through a lot of traumatic um, experiences, um, which left me with all type of just different, um, feelings, emotions, um, cycles of things. And so one of those things very much was insecurity, insecurity and inferiority. Um, I did not grow up in the acting world. So I did not act act when I was a child. I might have been in like one play. Um, as a child, though, I was very much a singing, dancing, movie quoting kid. Um, performing arts was just an in- inclination for me. It was just inside of me. My parents or my mother, if I can be frank, my mother did not catch on to that (laughs) she did not catch on to that inclination um and so fast forward I am a 22 year old adult I am now going to Columbia College and I am an acting major really back then it was like a theater major not a musical theater major so to clarify I never had to add Well, I had to act, of course, but I never had to sing. I never had to dance because I wasn't a musical theater major. I was strictly an acting major. And after years of being in school, it took me um, five years to graduate, not because I was dragging my feet, but because I didn't have all of the funds um, to go to school like I needed to. Um, But... I was in school with these people, number one, that I was younger than, I mean, excuse me, not younger, but older than, um, that was intimidating. That made me feel insecure. Um, but also I 
was in class with these kids who have been acting since high school. Like they knew this world to a certain degree. And I was just kind of just in there off of raw talent. Um, and so it was very intimidating for me and made me feel insecure and made me feel inferior. Now, was I just as talented? Yes. Now that I look back, I can say yes. Um, even my teachers thought that I was, but I did not believe that about myself. I just didn't. I just didn't. <laughs> so coupled with low self-esteem and inferiority and insecurity and intimidation, um, I just carry like this big burden of being the oldest. Like I was the grandma of the group. Like, dude, when I graduated, I was like 27. 27 is not old, but to me, it just felt like I was ancient compared to my colleagues. Um, and so I did, you know, at like, I don't want to say I did act, but I did audition for things and I would make it to second rounds and last rounds, but I did not get it. Like right now I'm waiting on a decision <laughs> uh, from a casting. Um, but the difference is how I felt then and how I felt now is two totally different things. These past couple of weeks working for this audition has enlightened me in so many ways. And the truth of the matter is, is that I wasn't feeling insecure because I was just the oldest person. I wasn't just feeling insecure because this was a new world that I had delved, delved into. I lacked work ethic. The same work ethic that my younger colleagues had, I did not have. I did not live acting. I did not breathe acting. I did not eat acting. I did not mow the lawn with acting and vacuum with acting and look with acting and smell with acting. It was not a part of my daily routine. My work ethic was off. But these past two weeks, when I say I have worked my butt off. I've gotten up at three and four in the morning to learn my monologue. <laughs> I have gone to bed late to learn my monologue. I have slept with it and I have gotten up with it and I have prayed over it and I have <laughs> meditated on it and meditated on the word and I have um dedicated my gift of acting to God. Like I really, really put it all out on the line. Seriously. To the point where when I left my audition, there was nothing else that I could have done. I didn't feel like there was anything else in the world that I could have done at that moment. But not just that. Not that I... I didn't just realize that my work ethic had been breathed upon by the God that gave me this acting ability. But there used to be such a perfectionness, um, just, 
I needed to be perfect. I needed to be on point. I needed to be the best. Um, I used to act like I had something to prove to people. And this particular time, I had auditions where I had to sing and I had to dance. And guess what? I didn't always sound good because singing wasn't my strong point. And I didn't always dance well because dancing was my strong point. Like, I was satisfactory, but I did it with my all. And I didn't think for one moment, like, shorty, like, that wasn't perfect. That wasn't so-and-so. Like, I approached these new things with freedom. Not with insecurity, not with inferiority, not with low self-esteem. I approached them from a, from a risk standpoint, from a freedom standpoint, from a point of pushing myself. So this couple of weeks experiences has taught me that number one, before I count myself out, work to the best of my ability. Number two, take risks and push yourself regardless of how you feel. Once I realized that God had accepted me, there was nothing else, like nothing else that anyone else could do. Now, when I get these results, if I don't make it, I might be like, dear Jesus, oh my God, I did not get it. All right, next day, where's the next audition? Because I am not defined by a moment of rejection. Rejection cannot define me. Low self-esteem cannot define me. Um, insecurity does not have the power to define me. Inferiority does not have the power to define me. The only person that has the power to define me as God. The only person that has the power to define me is me. And any other definition that, that I come across, I can either choose to refute it or I can choose to accept it. So I say, get your work ethic up, people. And never let insecurity and inferiority stop you from your purpose because they are enemies to it. All right, all right. So now we are going to get into the meat of our podcast. What well, we're actually talking about today or actually discussing today. Um, so our topic is respecting and savoring the moment. Once again, it is respecting and savoring the moment. All right, so we're going to start with a little quote by Orhan Pumic. Again, the name is Orhan Pumic. So our quote is, life is too short and we should respect every moment of it. Again, life is too short and we should respect every moment of it. All right, so what I love to do before I kind of start a project or before I kind of start a paper or um, start to break down a word is define it. So we are going to define 
respect. All right, so respect means a feeling of deep admiration and act of giving particular attention to. Again, a feeling of deep admiration and an act of giving particular attention to. Uh, the synonyms for respect are esteem, regard, or reverence. Once again, esteem, regard, or reverence. And then our next word is savoring. So savoring means to give oneself to the enjoyment of. Once again, to give oneself to the enjoyment of. And our synonyms for savoring are enjoy, appreciate, partake. Again, enjoy, appreciate, and partake. All right, so when we talk about respecting and savoring the moment, what question comes to your mind? I mean, I know we're probably saying how or when do we do this? But I think the first question needs to be, what is the opposite of respecting and savoring? I'm going to give you a little bit of, of a chance to kind of think about it. What is the opposite of respecting and savoring? So I've come up with some things um, to answer that. And I think the the opposite of it is missing moments. I know you're like, I wasn't really thinking that, Ashley. But yes, I think the opposite of respecting and savoring is missing moments. Um, missing moments is one of the biggest mistakes we can fall into, most likely. If we are missing moments, we couldn't possibly be enjoying our journeys. I'm going to let that sit in for a minute and then I'll repeat it. Missing moments is one of the biggest mistakes you can fall into. And I believe that most likely if we are missing moments, we couldn't possibly be enjoying our journey. So I think the greatest example is this usually when people don't like a part of a story or they don't like a particular climax of it or the setting of it or anything like that usually what we don't like we stay away from again usually what we don't like we stay away from so we kind of skip that little moment Instead of kind of savoring it, or we have really experienced it, but we're not really looking for the lessons in it. All we see is the doom, the drama, the nightmare. Instead of saying, mm, I had that moment and I don't think I really liked that moment. And these are the reasons why I did not like that moment. Okay, so next, one thing I want you to know about moments. Moments make journeys. Usually people who are not enjoying their journeys have the wrong perspective of them. I'm going to say it again. Moments make journeys. Usually people who are not enjoying them or not enjoying their journeys have the wrong perspective of them. So moments. I know you're, like, you're putting a lot of... Um, emphasis on moments. So let's talk about it. So life is like a journey, right? We we hear that a lot. Life is not a marathon. It's a journey. What makes life? Years. Years makes life. So if you're 55 years old, 
That's a lot of life, which means that you have more experience in this journey called life. What makes years? Months. Okay, that means that you have an awful lot of months of life because this person, once again, we're using a 55-year-old person, has been here for a long period of time, right? And then also, what makes months? Weeks. So let's travel back. We have a year. We're we're refuting, kind of Xing out the 55 person, but we have the year. Months make years. Weeks make months. Days make weeks. Hours make days. Minutes make hours. So what I'm trying to tell you is we have all of this coming, you know, all of these things that make a life. We have years that make a life. We have months that make a life. We have days that make a life. We have hours that make a life. We have minutes that make a life. And within all of that should be moments. There should be moments, you know, for minutes and moments for hours and moments for days and moments for weeks and moments for years. And so if you're dreading um, your moments, if you're not enjoying your moments, you cannot be enjoying your journeys and you obviously have the wrong perspective of your journey and what it's supposed to teach you and who you're supposed to be within that journey. All right. So I'm going to be a little bit candid about the reason why I decided to miss moments at a point in my life. And I don't really want to say decide, but I kind of was ushered into um, this way of life. So here we go. As a child, I encountered sexual abuse. Once again, as a child, I encountered sexual abuse. But let's talk about pre-sexual abuse. Before sexual abuse, I was living my best five-year-old life. I know that's kind of reaching uh, for some, but I mean, I'm 30 now and I was living the best five-year-old life I could possibly live. <laughs> I mean, I was the first grandchild. I was the first niece. And on top of that, I was the first child on my mom's side. I was the center of, of attention, the main event. We had Sesame Street and Captain Planet and you guys should be going back right now. Um, I know it's a lot of throwbacks, but yes, I had Carmen San Diego and I had Ghost Riders. And then all of a sudden, sexual abuse hit me like a Mack truck, wrapped me in a tor- tornado and my life wasn't the same. Life as I knew it was gone as a result because that moment caught me off guard I tried to be prepared for every single last moment which I might add that is impossible like you can never be ready for every moment you can prepare but you cannot be ready for every single moment moment. It is impossible. 
So what does that look like? I know you're saying like, Ashley, missing and missing a moment. You know, if you're preparing for, for every single moment, how can you miss moments? So how I was missing moments was this. I would have um, a good day. That good day could consist of I did a paper good or I uh, choreographed a dance and it was well received or I did a play and everybody was like, oh my God, Ashley, you did a great job. Um, Or I um, uh, passed the test or... I um, orchestrated something or um, got an A on my homework, whatever it was. I did not have um, the unction to celebrate myself in those moments and say, hey, you did a really, really good job. Instead, I was just thinking like, okay, I did good this moment. (laughs) Now it's time for the next moment. What can I do that the next moment? Can I do better than what I did before in the next moment? Um, can I outdo myself? You know, now I need to prove something else in this moment. Instead of just sitting there and relaxing and knowing, you know, that I had won in that very moment. And it's okay to sit there and win and live in that moment and celebrate that moment. I did not know that the moment after a victory was still a moment. I did not understand that. I did not realize that I needed to be celebrated and I needed to learn how to appreciate my intelligence or learn to appreciate my abilities and, you know, Thank God for them. I didn't know that the moment after after a victory was really another moment. Or I had moments where I rode that wave of a victory too long. Oh, I did well. I can just chill out. Now, there is nothing wrong with celebrating. But you should always be preparing after the celebration for something else. And that's what I'm saying. You have a victory, then there's the moment after the victory, and then, okay, after I've celebrated a little bit, mm, got my thing going, okay, now it's time to go to the next thing. That is how I was deliberately missing moments. All right, so let's talk about what type of people miss moments once again what type of people miss moments all right so overthinkers miss moments that was me let me just bring a disclaimer into this i was at least three to four of these maybe five so overthinkers miss moments bad workaholics Miss moments. And there is a difference, you guys. Excuse me. There is a difference between a good workaholic and a bad workaholic. A bad workaholic works until there is nothing left inside of them. They are empty. Not realizing that there is a moment that they need to be refueled for. You know, um, bad workaholics even work 
through the moments that they should be celebrating. I was definitely that. A good workaholic knows how to do a thing. Sit, enjoy that victory, enjoy that win, even enjoy, you know, learning the lesson from a failure. All right, let me breathe, regroup, get back up again. Now it's time to go for the next thing. Um, Another type of person who has um, missed moments, uh, people who have experienced trauma, you know, a lot of traumatic people live life in fear um, or they live life making their own moments, not connecting with other people sometimes. Now, these are not all people. This is not, you know, the majority or, you know, of people who have experienced trauma, but it it is a good amount of them. Um, people who have missed, who have experienced trauma, they miss moments. Most definitely. I am one of those people. Um, the offended miss moments. And, and this is the thing. I have seen very capable, very talented, very intelligent, offended people who are doing themselves a grace a great disservice um and this is the reason why because offense is a choice whether we want to admit it or not you know i can offend somebody and they have the power to say yo bruh nah that ain't me no nah, i'm not gonna take that no nah, that's not my problem or you can get an attitude and accept it there is a choice in offense. You know, I've seen so many people say, well, I'm not going because so-and-so, so-and-so is there. Or I'm not going because uh, this person get on my nerves and this person is fake. Bruh, who cares? Like, guess who going to be there? The same person you said that, that was fake. Because I've been there. The same person you say that you offended by, they're going to be there. And they don't care nothing about you. And that night is going to be great because you're not there. And if you're Christian, if you do show up and you showing up with ill intentions, you might have, you might have, you should have just stayed at home. Because your objection or your, um, your purpose for being there is not to piss somebody else off. You know, it is to connect, it is to uplift, it is to esteem, you know, it is to uh, build relationship. That's what true success is all about. Building communities, building relationships, uh, building sisterhoods, building uh, business relationships, um, building fellowships with people. That is what it's about. And I'm not going to say that you're not going to be offended on that road, but offense is a choice. And you can either take that person to the side, like, you know, you said so and so so and so to me, I am not feeling that. I did not like that. You know, they can either apologize and say, oh, I meant it. Oh, that's fine. Well, at least you know what you're dealing with. Don't, you know, so many people are offended and assuming. Like, girl, because she said so, I don't know. But did you ask her? And I am guilty of such things. I have been guilty and and every once in a while I can be petty and, and, you know, be guilty of it. But did you ask the person, Hey, when you said blah, 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 how did you mean that? 
Now, there are sometimes where without a shadow of a doubt, you know that this person, you know, uh, bruh, like you threw a bucket of shade. You threw, matter of fact, you just threw the whole tree at me. But the truth of the matter is, is that if you stay offended, that is a choice. All right. So next, people who lack self-